Good morning. I was a little tardy today because I, and I didn't get a chance to share a prayer request. Um, uh, Daniel has some kind of stomach bug and was in a lot of pain this morning, and so he's at home with my wife and other son. And so please remember him in your prayers, if you would. Uh, we'd appreciate it. Uh, as we... Um, look at God's Word this morning, I'd invite you to turn with me to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I just want to speak briefly about uh, an enduring ministry, an enduring ministry, and there possibly may be an outline that you have, the four subjects that we want to look at briefly this morning is be strengthened by the grace of Christ Jesus. Be steadfast for the grace of Christ Jesus. Be single-minded on the grace of Christ Jesus and be stimulated by the grace of Christ Jesus. Um, <coughs> let us uh, pray and we can read our passage. Uh, our Father, in Jesus' name, we give thanks to you because you're so good to us. We're thankful, Lord, for your word and for your spirit, for your people, for the life that we have in Christ Jesus, given so freely and lavished upon us so graciously. We don't deserve any of it, but we have it all because you are so good and gracious. Father, as we look into your word and talk about an enduring ministry, would you help me uh, to focus on what you want to say, and to say it uh, in a truthful and loving manner. Uh, God, give us open hearts to hear what your Spirit says in and by the Scripture, and may we leave this place uh, transformed, built up, and um, made more like Christ Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to uh, read Second uh, Timothy chapter 2. The first 13 verses there, if you have a Bible and you've turned there, please hear God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Uh, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Um, an enduring ministry. This is the second, as you may assume, from 2 Timothy, letter that was written to Timothy. There's a first edition, as you may recall, preceding this one. And in uh, the first letter that uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, he instructed him to... Um, uh, to raise up 
leaders in Ephesus um, and to charge them not to teach any different doctrine. You can see that back in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. And uh, he goes into the qualifications for elders and for deacons uh, so that people, as it says in chapter 3, um, they might know uh, how they ought to conduct themselves in um, the church of the living God in chapter 3, verse 15. And uh, he goes on giving instructions about uh, widows and uh, who should be put on a list to receive care from the church, and he talks about uh, the rich and how they are supposed to conduct themselves. And so he gives a lot of practical information in the first uh, uh, letter. In the second letter, it's not uh, so much an a, um, attack on doctrine as it is an attack on Timothy's own person. And uh, Paul, as um, in typical Pauline style, he, he uses himself as an example uh, that Timothy should be happy to follow. And in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, you see uh, Paul uh, commending the faith, his genuine faith of Timothy in chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. And uh, he, he, he says to Timothy that God has not given you a spirit of fear because Timothy was fearful of the persecution and the suffering that he might have to undergo in order to uh, fulfill his ministry. And he says to Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear or of timidity uh, to, to cave under pressure, but he's given you a spirit of power and one of love and one of self-control. Self-control is a word that means wisdom and uh, I think it was Bruce Walkie who gave a very fine definition of wisdom as it's seen in the Bible. It means social skill. It's the ability to maneuver and to navigate in God's world, God's way for God's glory, basically. And so Paul is telling Timothy that God has given him power in the Spirit and he's given him love and he's given him wisdom. He's given him a way to navigate in ministry and in life that would be uh, pleasing to God and glorifying to Him and good for the church and good for the world. And then he goes into developing um, uh, the fact that Timothy is not to be ashamed. You see this in chapter 1, verse 8, of the testimony about the Lord. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Uh, you can recall Paul in another place said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to save people. Because in that gospel, what is revealed is a perfect record of righteousness that's given as a gift to everybody who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. God is faithful to his promises. And so what every one of us needs when we drop dead one day, because it's happening to everybody, nobody's getting out of here alive. And it's not a hostage situation, mind you, it's just the fact of life, that we're all going to die. And what you and I need at that moment and even before that moment, is a record of perfect obedience to stand before a holy, holy, holy God who dwells in unapproachable light to whom no man can approach, as Paul says in, to Timothy. Um, but you can approach if you've got righteousness that's given to you as a gift from Jesus Christ. You can approach God with all of His consuming fire you can enter His presence and be embraced by Him and be kissed by Him and be received and welcomed by Him. That's, that's a glorious thing to think about. And Paul ends this letter that way, that he's fought the good fight, he's finished his course, he's kept the faith, and he knows there's a crown of righteousness waiting for him to which the righteous judge himself will award to him on that day. And not only to him, but to all who love his appearing. Do you love? Is appearing. Does, does the fact that Jesus is going to appear, does it give you excitement or does it give you terror? Um, and so Paul, Paul uh, seeks to root Timothy for this enduring ministry in the gospel. He says, don't be ashamed of the testimony, don't be ashamed of his prisoner, Paul, who suffered in the gospel uh, by the power of God. And notice how he, in verse 9 of chapter 1, he develops that gospel. He saved us. He called us 
to a holy calling, and it had nothing to do with our works. But God has a purpose, and His purpose is gracious. And because of His gracious purpose, He has called us, and He has set us apart. He has saved us for a holy calling. Um, and so, and He talks about how He gave Jesus Christ. Uh, this was something determined before He even created the world. God's purpose was revealed long before he ever said, let there be light. He had a purpose of grace to show in Christ Jesus. And, and he has called people, as he called Timothy. And uh, if you look at the last chapter of verse, uh, 2 Timothy, in, um, in verse 22, it says, the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. And um, the you, some of you may have a Bible that tells you the you there is plural. And so the, the contents of this particular letter are not simply given to Timothy, but given to Timothy to know how to run the church so that everybody in the church would be on the same page with respect to what is commanded and taught in these chapters. Um, and he talks about Jesus and how uh, uh, Jesus was manifested. He appeared. He's our Savior. And what he did is he abolished death. He killed death. It takes a lot of power to kill death. But Jesus did it. He abolished death. He brought life, eternal life, and immortality to light through the Gospel. And Paul is seeking to root Timothy in these realities to get rid of the timidity, to get rid of the fear. Because if you behold the Gospel of Christ, if you behold the cross of Christ and see in Jesus being punished on the cross for your sin, for your rebellion, for your iniquity, the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And those who are afraid of God have not been perfected in love. But when you know, beating in your heart, that there is the love of God, that God loves you, He's accepted you. He's welcomed you in Christ Jesus. That the most terrifying being loves you and accepts you and receives you eternally. Well, it allows you to face anybody. You don't have to be afraid of anybody. Recall Muhammad Ali it's the greatest of all time. He float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. And he always put on this, this aura that he was just untouchable and fearless before any opponent. And uh, in an interview, he, he said it's all sometimes a joke just to get in the person's head. Uh, but but you, you have the one who really is the greatest. You have Jesus. Um. And, and, and because you are accepted with him and received by him and welcomed by him, uh, Jesus is more terrifying than anybody. He is. If you're, if you're not in Christ Jesus, you've got a reason to be afraid of Christ Jesus. If you're not interested in getting in Christ Jesus, you've got a reason to be afraid of Christ Jesus. But the Bible says in the book of Psalms in chapter 20 through 21, it talks about Jesus coming in judgment and he's going to He's going he's to strike people through and light them up like fire. He's nobody to play with. He is a consuming fire. But if you know him, if you love him, and if you've known him and know that he loves you, you have no reason to be afraid of any man, any woman. Um, but you have a reason to endure in the calling and the ministry that God has given to you. And so Paul talks about how God appointed him to be a, a preacher and a teacher and an apostle, and that's why he's suffering. Because Paul has been a preacher of the gospel. He's been appointed to be an apostle, sent by Jesus Christ into this world to tell people about Christ. He's been appointed to teach people the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he says that's the reason he's suffering the way he does. That's the reason he's chained up like a criminal. Because he wants unbelieving people to know they're lost. But there's a way they can be found through Jesus. But most of the time, people don't want to hear the fact that they're lost. They don't want to hear the fact that they're sinners and they're rebels and that God's wrath is upon them. 
and they need to repent, they need to humble themselves, they need to get saved, they need to run to the cross. People don't want to hear that sort of thing. They want to rely on themselves. Paul says because, because he's been appointed to preach the gospel, that's why he's suffering. And so he tells Timothy to join him in suffering for the gospel. And uh, he, he goes into that in chapter 2. He says, you then, in light of the gospel, in light of my own suffering as an example, in light of the calling that has been placed upon us, Jesus said, if they hated me, keep in mind. If they hate you, he said, keep in mind they hated me first. If they persecute you, keep in mind they, they have persecuted me prior to you. Um, you cannot align yourself with Jesus Christ in this life and in this world that has fallen and sinful and expect to get the royal treatment. They're not going to throw out the red carpet for you when you tell people gently and lovingly about their sin. And so, uh, he says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's what you and I need to be strong. We need the grace of God to make us strong. The grace of God uh, reminds us of how God received us. We didn't deserve uh, to be received by God. We don't deserve Jesus. We don't deserve His love. But we have His love. We have God Almighty. We have God's grace. And that grace strengthens our hearts. Knowing that you have been received by God, knowing that you have been accepted and welcomed by Him, uh, knowing that God loves you and Jesus died for you um, is what you need to be strong in ministry. What you need to endure in ministry is what you need to be strong in life. I can tell you all kinds of stories, and I'm sure you can as well, of people who have walked away from Christ because they have forgotten the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul tells Timothy that what you need to be strong in ministry is you need to be strengthened by grace. Strengthened by grace. Strengthened by what God did for you when you did not deserve it. That's what you and I need to be strong in ministry. Because ministry is going is to expose all kinds of weaknesses in your life. It's going it's to break you in so many different ways. It's going to show you how you're a sinner. You're a big sinner. And... Uh, you're broken, I'm broken. Ministry does that. You know, ministry in many ways is like, it's a commitment. It's, it's many ways, it's like marriage, isn't it? When you get married, you know, you were a wonderful person before you got married. And, and then when you got married and, and your wife did something or your husband did something or said something, and then all this stuff started coming out of your mouth that you never heard before. It exposes stuff in you. Then you had kids. And even more stuff started coming out of your mouth. Then you see little people running around the house who act like you and talk like you, and you try to cover it up. It's not gospel-driven. It's like, stop doing that. You're making me look bad. You don't say it that way, but that's the intent of the instruction that's given sometimes. Let's be honest with ourselves. Let's not put on airs. Sometimes my little ones are up here dancing around, acting silly, and I just wish they would stand still at attention. But it reminds me of how, how I used to be. Sometimes still am. And, and, and so, so in all of the brokenness that is exposed in the midst of ministry, you and I need to fall. We need a soft place to fall. We need the grace of God to strengthen us. Because if you try to fall back on the fact that, well, well at least I did that right uh, last week, or at least I did this right last week, it's not going to work. You and I have a broken system. We've got a broken record. We are messed up, people. <laughs> Folks don't like to hear that, but it's true. You need to hear it if you want to be brand new. You're messed up. And we need grace. We need to go back to the cross of Christ. That's what, that's what Paul is calling Timothy to do. You then, frozen back into the, 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 the passages that preceded this in chapter 1. We need to fall back on the cross of Christ and what he's done uh, to be strengthened in ministry. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. When you wake up in the morning, you should tell yourself something. You should talk yourself into some sanity. You should wake up no matter what's going on and say, God loves me. 
Because He does. Jesus died for me. And because of that, I can live today. But if you, try to, if you try to bypass that and say, I already know that, and try to ignore that, and try not to, 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 to plumb the depths of that reality, you're going to get lost in the middle of the day. You're going to get angry, you're going to get mean-spirited, you're going to be joyless, you're going to be all kinds of things that you should not be. But you begin there. I mean, when you go to heaven and you see God and you see Christ in all of His beauty and splendor and you realize, here's the one who died for me, is it going to get boring after a million years? No, I mean, there's angels in heaven who, who Christ Jesus, mind you, did not die for, right? Angels in heaven, creatures in heaven that God did not die for. And they can't stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. And it's not because God has a big energizer battery and has wound them up. And they just sit there and keep saying that and then they slow down and He puts another battery in them. They say that because God is that profound and splendid and majestic and beautiful. To behold Him does that. So it's not boring in heaven. It becomes even more glorious the longer you're there. And so if the angels in heaven stood up on tippy-toe to look into the salvation that God has given to you, if angels long to see what Christ has done, to redeem you, as it says in 1 Peter chapter 1. If angels long to look into that, angels who always behold the face of God, what better face to behold, but yet they turn to look into what God has done in His Son, by His Spirit, for your redemption. If they long to do that, then you and I should, should pray something like, God, I know that you love me, I know that Christ died for me, but I know I don't know that exhaustively, would you show me today afresh the beauty and glory, the splendor and wonder that you love me, that Christ died for me, and I can go on because of that. You and I need to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And, and the way we also strengthen others is by, by what we have heard. From, Paul says, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust the faithful men who will also be able to teach others. You know, the Bible says something very interesting. A few uh, Books over in the book of Philemon. Um, it's a short book. You might miss it. It's right before Hebrews. Um, in, in Philemon, uh, chapter is only one chapter, but um, in verse 5 and 6, it, it says, Because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and, and for all the saints, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. You know what he's saying there? He's saying that inasmuch as you share your faith, inasmuch as you train others in the faith, you come to understand more deeply what you believe. When you disciple people, your own understanding of the faith you have develops. There's a good friend of mine who is, Lord willing, planning to come and lead a seminar uh, in a couple of months. Uh, I, I hope he doesn't blow it this time, but, but whenever I'm with him, he's always such a refreshing person to be with. Always. I, don't, I can't recall any time when I wasn't with him and he was just not a refreshment. And it's not because he's Jesus or he's perfect. He's a sinner like everybody else. But he, he is actively sharing his faith on a daily basis. And it's just refreshing to be in the presence of someone who who shares their faith with other people, who makes it a point every single morning to get up and say it's something that we should do. Lord, there's people in this world who don't know you. Would you please put me in the, in, in, in the room with? Help me to encounter people today who simply don't know Jesus. Interrupt my schedule so that I can share the gospel with someone today. You know? Seeking first the kingdom and righteousness. Having that kind of aim in life. That kind of refreshing aim. And, and Paul says to Timothy here in the church, he focuses it at in the church, but he, he gets into what I just said, that, to, that Timothy is to, uh, to, to train other people to be faithful in ministry, faithful to the gospel, strengthened by grace, so that they also may be able to train other people, other men to be faithful in the gospel. That's something that we can pray for as a church, is that God would raise up faithful men. Faithful women, too. 
right? But faithful men who will be able to train others and teach others to be faithful in gospel. You know, Aquila and Priscilla, husband and wife, both trained, um, who was it, Apollos, right, um, in the gospel, right? They heard him preach. They said, hey, that was great. Can we go out to lunch? <laughs> and they broke down some more things to him. Said, you need to tweak this a little bit, fella, you know? And so, um, so we should be people who are strengthened by grace. You can't train other people in the grace of Christ unless you're strengthened by the grace of Christ. You know, you can't, tell, you can't train anybody else to believe in Jesus if, if it's not evident that you believe in Jesus. You know, you may recall a long time ago there was a, a commercial of a guy who caught his son smoking marijuana and, and uh, he's, he, he came to his son when he was sitting on the bed. He said, where'd you get this stuff? Where'd you get it? Who taught you this? And he said, I learned it from watching you. <laughs> what are you going to say now, Dad? You know, um, we've got to be people rooted in the gospel, preaching the gospel to ourselves so that we might be able um, to, to teach other people. Uh, strengthened by the grace. We'll actually get to the answer that the father should have given to that son later on, Lord willing. And then he goes into not only being strengthened by the grace of Jesus Christ, but be steadfast in the grace of Jesus Christ. Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. This week I had someone, this past week I had someone come to cross my desk and ask me to do some stuff for them. It was actually a job. And uh, it, would have, it, would have, it would have delved me into the scientific world. Again, I have a science background, and it would have had me teaching high school students science and other stuff. And, and um, I entertained it for a moment, and then I, 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 I prayed about it and talked about it and called some people and said, uh, I looked in the mirror and said, you're crazy. You can't do this. And, 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 and it's, it wasn't a bad work. But it's getting involved in civilian pursuits. It's taking away the primary calling, the priority calling of the gospel. And that's what Paul is saying to, to Timothy, and he's saying it to us as well. If you're going to be ready, if you're going to be, as it says later on in chapter 2, a clean vessel, useful to the master, ready for every good work. If you're going to be someone who's available to God, to be used by God, no matter what, you cannot let two things. You cannot let suffering sidetrack you. Everybody who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus is going to suffer persecution at some level. Get over it. It's going to happen. Some level. You know, some people get their head cut off. I hope nobody does, but it might happen. It happens, you know, in the Sudan. It happens almost regularly. Some people are just going to get a cold shoulder at work. It, it, it can be on any spectrum. But there's something coming, there's something you've already experienced as followers of Jesus Christ, and you will experience if you're going to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Um, and uh, it says sometimes that suffering can sidetrack us. It can cause us to put our, put our artillery down and say, well, I, I don't want to share the gospel with people now. Because that hurt what they said to me or what they did to me. Um, and and what, what about my family? What might happen to them? You know, uh, I can recall one time uh, leading, a, leading a, a funeral, and it was a funeral for a, uh, a young man who had been gunned down in West Philadelphia. His father was a Christian, his mother was a Muslim. And I was asked to give a prayer of comfort. And as I went to the lecture, an imam from the mosque put his hand on the lecture and said, this is not a Christian funeral. And um, then he walked to the side and and I made it very plain when I prayed. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is Lord of Lords, we come to you and ask for comfort. And I ended my prayer the same way. And I looked at him and walked away. But he gave me a tremor because he was with a bunch of people to be that bold to come up and tell me it's not a Christian funeral. Um, there's all kinds of suffering that can make you detract from your calling, that can make you turn away from your calling. Um, no soldier gets in, in, entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. His aim is to please the one who enlisted him. We can never graduate conversion, right? You got converted 
as a Christian, and you can never get over that reality. There was a time when you were wallowing, as it were, spiritually in your blood, dead in your transgressions and sins, and Jesus came by you and said, come alive through the gospel. And he brought you into his service. And you can never forget that reality. Once you do, you go down. That's why God always brings his people back throughout the Old Testament, throughout the whole Bible. Remember what you used to be before I called you. You remember in the book of Ephesians, this was, Timothy was, was dealing with the churches in Ephesus. And we talked about Ephesians. We can't go into great detail. Uh, time is running out already. But, but in Ephesians, uh, there's a book, and in the first three chapters, there's not one command, but one. And the one command is to remember. Remember what you used to be when you didn't know Jesus. Remember what you now become now that you're saved. That's the only command, the only imperative in the first three chapters. That's significant. That's significant. It's a watershed. It's saying that this is the one thing that you have to keep in your mind. You used to be lost. You used to be dead. You used to be rebellious. You used to hate God. But God in Christ came and redeemed you and saved you. Don't ever graduate that reality. Don't ever forget that reality. Your aim from that moment on is to please the one who enlisted you. Paul said that it's the love of Christ that compels him to no longer live for himself, but to live for him who died for him and was raised again, and uh, to make it his aim to please Jesus in everything. We're here to please him. As soon as we forget what God has done for us in his son, we go south morally, spiritually. Um, be steadfast for the grace of Christ. Be steadfast for the grace of Christ. Uh, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Then it gives two examples, an athlete. You don't crown an athlete unless he competes according to uh, the rules. Um, we watch the Olympics from time to time and you see that sometimes people are, are, are they, they win, they get a crown, they get a medal, then, it, then they discover they had drugs in their system. What do they do? They stripped, they stripped the metal from them. They, they broke the rules. You don't get crowned. You have to go through the difficulty of training yourself to be an athlete. It corresponds to the suffering that we do in ministry. The hard-working farmer. Uh, the hard work, it's hard work to farm. I don't know how many people have worked on a farm. I've had the grace of doing that, the privilege of doing that, or the pain of doing that. But it's hard work to work on a farm. It's hard work, and it's, 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 it's when you do the hard work, don't take shortcuts, that's when you produce fruit and produce a crop. And uh, Paul is saying the same thing corresponds to ministry. It's through suffering, it's through many tribulations that we enter into the kingdom of God. You may recall in the life of, of Paul, uh, it's, it's given, you can read it later, in, in Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14, Paul talks about his sufferings in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, how he, he went there simply to share the grace of God and how they persecuted him, how they treated him in, in an unsatisfactory manner. They beat him up and left him for dead. And he went right back later on and, and still preached the gospel in these same places. And uh, he says that, you, he says in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, you remember um, in verse 11 of chapter 3, my persecutions and my steadfastness my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, and in Lystra. The persecutions I endured, yet from them the Lord rescued me. The Lord is going to rescue his people. You know, the gates of hell will never prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church, and you can't stop Jesus. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. And, and, and nothing can happen to you unless Jesus says so. Not a hair on your head can drop unless Jesus says so. He has that kind of care over your life. He loves you. He cares for you. And nothing can happen to you unless he says so. And if he says so, it's for your good. It's for your growth. It's for his glory. It's for the extension of the gospel. Um, Paul said it like, like this, as you may recall in the book of Philippians, as he was persecuted there, he said that, um, I, I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel that people came at him to persecute him, and they had one thing in mind, but Paul said, because of Jesus, whatever their evil intent was, it got flipped by Jesus. It got switched by Jesus, and now Paul's got a brand new audience 
who needs to hear the gospel. You may recall when Paul first entered Philippi and how he was persecuted and thrown in prison and how everybody in prison got saved. The man got saved, the jailer got saved, the people heard the gospel. And it says, a very interesting story, it says that he, the jailer got saved and everybody in his household heard the gospel and believed and they, and, and they, and they, they were baptized. Um, but it only says that he alone was the one who believed. And, um, and so Paul says to be steadfast in the grace for the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And, and what he's getting at um, is, is you see in, in verse 10, it says, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. For the sake of the elect. He endures everything for the sake of the elect. Just like Jesus Christ, he endured the cross, despising its shame for the joy set before him. And the joy set before him was the elect in glory, glorified, glorifying God. It was that joy, that vision that he had on his mind when he was on the cross. He wasn't thinking about the cross. He was thinking about the lost who were going to be found through his sacrifice. We've got to have the same type of attitude. Steadfastness for the grace of Christ. Be single-minded, it says, on the grace of Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. He's the first one that God, Satan, wants, Satan wants you to forget is Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. He was dead. He's been raised from the dead. He's alive right now. He's available. Um, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He's the offspring of David. David is the king. And it points to his lordship. He's the one who, who was promised the seed of David. He's the one that God promised would sit on David's throne and reign forever and there would be no end to his reign. So remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, it points to his authority, his power. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is alive, he's available. And um, you can't see him like you can see the wall and the floor and the ceiling, but he's here. He's here. You can't see the oxygen in this room either, but you're certainly benefiting from it. Um, he, preached, he has preached in my gospel. And it says here, for which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God cannot be bound. We've talked about this already. How, 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 how no matter what suffering comes, it's the attitude that Paul had. He's suffering, he's chained like a criminal. And I know for some of us, for, for me, I know that if, if someone chained me as a criminal, I would hope uh, that because of the gospel, I would hope that I would have this kind of attitude that even though he's chained up, even though he's been treated in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a humiliating way, the word of God is not bound. The word of God cannot be stopped. Okay, and so we have to have that kind of attitude. That's, that's an enduring attitude. That you've been treated shame, shamefully. You've been bound up like a criminal. Treated like an animal. And yet you're saying the word of God cannot be bound. Do you remember when Paul and Silas went to Philippi and they were put in prison? What did they do? Did they complain and moan and get on the phone and text people, guess what happened to me? No, they didn't do that. They didn't put posts on Facebook. They didn't have Facebook back then. What did they do? It says they sang hymns and they prayed. They were praying. They were singing praises to God. They had been treated shameless, shamefully. They had been treated like animals. And they were, they were singing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. They were singing. They were, they were praying. They were preaching the gospel to themselves. And, and it says the other prisoners were listening. Someone jokingly said one time that God was so happy with the music, he started stomping his foot, and there was an earthquake. Probably was not exactly what happened, but the point is that there was an earthquake. And every prisoner was released. And the man was going to kill himself who was in charge of the grave. And Paul said, don't do it, we're all here. And the man said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? How God used that suffering, that struggle. That's what God wants to do in the midst of our suffering and our struggle. We complain and moan and God can't use it. We should have a better attitude when we suffer. We should have an attitude of joy. What's bigger than God? Who's bigger than God? Nothing you go through, nothing I go through will ever make God scratch his head and, and, and storm, storm the, the aisles of heaven. Michael, Gabriel, what am I supposed to do now? I can't figure this out. One of, my, one of my children have gotten messed up down there. What am I supposed to do? No, man, come on. God is seated on a throne. 
He laughs in the face of those who try to oppose him. It's a laughing matter to God. It doesn't mean he's laughing and happy and giddy about it like a comedy show, but it means that it does not even touch him. God's purposes are going to stand. He rules in the army of heaven. He rules over every inhabitant of the earth, and nobody can stop him from doing what he wants to do. He's got all power. He uses every single thing, every suffering, every difficulty, every hardship, every trial to build his people, to bless his own name because he's that good. He can work through any kind of circumstance for his glory and for your good. God wants to leave you worshiping him. Abraham was the same way. Abraham and Sarah, old, old as dirt. Dead, old as, got one foot on a banana peel, one foot in the grave. Sarah's womb is dead. Abraham is as good as dead. And God says, guess what? You're going to have a baby next year. Because he does stuff like that so that you'll give him the glory and give him the praise because he alone can do something like this. Let's move on. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, seed of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound as, in chains as a criminal. The word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. That's, that's service, you know that? Not thinking about yourself, but thinking about others and thinking about how God can use your circumstances to be a blessing to others. God is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort anybody in all of their affliction, no matter what it is. Whatever affliction you have, it's, it's God saying to you, when you're afflicted, when you're going through trials, when you have tribulation, when you have hardship, you know what God is doing? He's, he's tapping you on the shoulder. He says, I got, I got ministry I want you to do. I got something I want you to do, but you got to go through this first. Because when you go through this, and if you keep your hand in my hand, it will equip you for what's coming. But if you ignore me and complain and grumble, I can't use that. I can't use that. God killed people in the wilderness. We tell our children sometimes that. He killed people in the wilderness for complaining. He did. Didn't he? You read your Old Testament? Some people grumbled against God. He said, okay, that's the end of it. I'm sick of you. He is. He's sick of that kind of attitude. It's not like they grumbled one time. It's like they continued to grumble and grumble and grumble and grumble. They continued to forget, forget, forget what I've done. I just brought you out of Egypt. I just brought you through the Red Sea. I just made water come out of a rock in a desert. I sent bread down from heaven, and you still got a complaint? Come on. You can die right here in the wilderness. I can't use that. I'll raise up the next generation. I'll use them. But they messed up too. So I've got to come myself, God says. He sent his own son. Never grumbled, never complained, never moaned, never groaned against God. Never once. And because of him, you and I should be able to endure. You and I should be able to look in the face of death, in the face of trouble, in the face of affliction, and say, wait a minute, God is doing something. He's up to something. He's got ministry for me to do in the future. I've got to go through this. God, give me grace. Give me strength. Give me power. Give me steadfastness to make it through this. Every time trouble comes, you don't have to mess up. Isn't that right? Well, I wish I could get an amen in here today. It's true. We're very sinful people. We, we make all kinds of mistakes. But to say that every single time a temptation comes, you've got to fall, is, is really, really saying something very shameful about Jesus Christ and his inability to help you in the midst of trouble. Jesus comes to the aid of his people when they suffer. We have a great high priest who's gone through the heaven, Jesus, the son of the living God. We have a high priest who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He can suffer with us. And we can come boldly to the throne of grace and we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And we need to tap into that reality. Those promises are real. They're gold. And, um, and so Paul says here, he does everything for the sake of the elect. Don't put Paul on a pedestal like somehow his Christian experience is somehow a level above yours. He's saying this to Timothy as an example that he's supposed to follow and he's supposed to also give to the people that he pastors, that they're supposed to follow this as well. And, and he's calling his people to, to have this type of service attitude that no matter what happens to me, it's happening for the gospel to advance, for the glory of God to be seen, for people to come to know Jesus. So let's endure it for the kingdom. Let's deal with it for the kingdom because it's not about us at the end of the day. It's not about what I want or what you want. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about his kingdom. 
And so he goes on to say this is a, this is a faithful saying. Be stimulated by the grace of Christ. Be stimulated by the grace of Christ. This is a trustworthy servant. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. It's talking about a death. It's, it's a death to sin. It's talking about conversion. If we've died with Christ, dead to sin, we shall live with him right now in the present. Upon our death with him, we begin to live for him, in him, like him. It, this is a, um, this passage is, is uh, developed in Romans chapter 6, uh, verse 8. It's Romans chapter 6, verse 8 is actually an explanation of that very verse. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. And the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, making you obey its desires. But offer your bodies, offer the members of your bodies, it says in chapter 6, verse 19, as a slave to righteousness. A slave doesn't know what his master's doing. You may not feel it, you may not want it, you may not like it, but the Bible says offer your members to righteousness as a slave. And in the process of doing that, the Spirit of God gets a hold of you and creates desire, creates power to follow through on what you offered yourself to. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. And it's not simply talking about a future reign in the consummation when Christ returns. It's talking about a reign right now. As it says in Romans 5, verse, uh, verse 17, there it says, um, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. We reign with Christ right now, not in its fullness. That comes in the consummation, but we reign right now. Jesus Christ reigns in the midst of his enemies as he draws people to himself. How does he do that? Through your witness, through your testimony. He brings people into, him, into his kingdom. If we deny him, he will also deny us. You know, denying is not simply something we do with our mouths, it's something we do with our lives. You know, Peter denied the Lord, but he repented. He denied him with his mouth. Judas denied the Lord with his actions. The Bible says in the book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 16, it says, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. Judas professed to know God, but he denied him by his works. And he wound up being denied by Jesus in the end as the son of perdition. So, and Jesus said, if you, if you will acknowledge me uh, before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father who is in heaven. You know, sometimes, um, and I don't know the extent and the depth of this, but there are, um, my wife and I were talking about this, there's, there's a very popular uh, Chinese athlete who was asked to come to China to share his testimony in mainland China, but he was told specifically, do not mention Jesus or the gospel or anything like that. And he didn't. And I don't know how Jesus looks at that, personally. I, I think um, it's, it's probably good to, to, hit, to hit a Rahab in that situation to say, okay, I won't. And then when you get up there, you say it. Um, because what does that say? You're, 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 you're kowtowing, you're bowing down to a government because you're somehow afraid of something. Don't mention Jesus, even though he's the whole reason why there's success. And I think we talked about it, and I said, you know, if we were in that situation, we'd just say, look, well, well you're just not going to get a testimony from us because we don't say it without acknowledging him. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And I wonder what would happen if someone did that. They said, if they just mention a name, they name drop Jesus in mainland and said, this is the reason I'm successful. It's the only reason I'm successful. What kind of impact, what kind of repercussion that would have on the country there? And lastly, we move on. Um, if we're faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And this is a picture of Peter. It's a picture of us. It's a picture of me. Um, it was a picture of me this week. You know, if we're faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. That, you know, that he ends with comfort because nobody here is perfect. We all make all kinds of mistakes. We, we look at this passage and 
and you look at it and, and you think about enduring and you think about bearing witness to Jesus and you look at your own life and you say, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing that the way I should be doing it. And maybe you are doing it and praise God if you are, continue with it. But, but a lot of times we, we look at our life and our death to sin is our, our life, new life to him. It's, it's not where it ought to be. And, and, and God is saying that if we're faithless, he remains faithful. He remains faithful to his covenant. He cannot deny himself. What comfort for God to say to you and I, he cannot deny himself. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying that you're a part of me. You're included in me. I'm the head, you're the body. We're united by grace. And he's saying, you're, my, you're, you know, you're the body of Jesus Christ. He can't deny his body. It, you know, it's, it's a marriage. He's the bridegroom, you're the bride. He's not going to deny his bride. He's not going to de deny his wife, the one he's bound himself to eternally. He'll never deny you. He'll never be unfaithful to you. And that's the comfort that gives you grace to be faithful, that he's faithful, and that even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. The good work he began, he will faithfully bring that work to completion at the day of Christ. When you're tempted, there's no temptation taking you, but such as common to man, but God is faithful. He will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to deal with, but he will provide a way for you to escape so that you can stand up underneath the temptation. What is the way? Jesus said, I am the way. He is the one who suffered being tempted and is able to come to our aid when we are being tempted. When we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He just can't do it. We talk about how God can do everything. God cannot do everything. He cannot lie. He cannot make mistakes. He cannot fail. He cannot sin. And he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny his people, his body, his bride, his children, his servants. He can't deny you. So it's a calling to be faithful. It's a calling to endure in ministry because we have a faithful God. We have a faithful gospel who's been steadfast, who's been strengthening us, who's been single-minded in his own devotion in saving us. And we've got a God who stimulates us, motivates us by his grace. Let's pray. Let's give thanks to him. Our Father, in Christ's name, we give thanks to you because you are so good to us. We do not deserve you. Uh, God, open our eyes to see a little more of the depth of your beauty, your mercy, your grace, given to us in Christ Jesus for your glory. Oh, Father, help us to be strengthened every single day by your grace, by your mercy, by your love for us. Help us to be steadfast and to be steadfast for your grace, dear God, so that we might be faithful servants. God, help us to be single-minded uh, on the grace of Jesus Christ and to preach that gospel to ourselves on a daily basis, and it wouldn't get boring or mundane each day like the angels in heaven. It would be filled with even more wonder and grace. And Father, would you stimulate us by that very same grace to be faithful in ministry, knowing that you are always faithful to us, that you have died for us, you have acknowledged us. You've called out our name, as it were, when you hung on the cross, as you thought about the joyful state of us in glory when you hung there and died for our sin. Lord Jesus, we thank you for dealing with the shame and the blame, the pain of Calvary, the wrath of God, so that we might be faithful ministers of you. You've called us to be a kingdom of priests. God, make us the same. In Jesus' name.